through I'm like oh i forgot i own that and then i have some of the mixed mix cds that are still on some of my playlists on my phone nice so you know it's it's it works out it's good to keep all the old media in fact my kid i oh got it was about eight months ago dad do you have any cassettes and i'm like do i have cassettes son i got cassettes for days man i remember one the last cassette that I bought was on the side of the road in Norman, Oklahoma, and I bought a Billy Idol tape. Oh wow! No case. I forget which album. It might even just been like a stupid best of. Like, well, there's no way I'm not gonna pick this up if somebody's offering it. Why would I not want a Billy Idol cassette? I well, for me, I know I I started really getting into cassettes when CDs come out because they were you know they were you could buy like all the bands you liked. Uh huh. Instead of paying twelve bucks, you get them for two bucks a piece. So I stacks and stacks. I was on cassettes way longer than I needed to be. Well, or you just get the fucking yeah boombox where you hit play on the CD player and record on the tape player, and now Hell's you can yeah. play them in your old ass car because your old car doesn't have a fucking CD player in it. And those discman hookups sucks. If you, you hit did. a bump, your shit skips. Oh hell yeah! So you just put it on tape, and you don't have to fuck your CD up. Man, that was, I used to do that all the time back when I was a kid. I was actually thankful when I first moved to Michigan. My beater car had a cassette player. Ah, uh, the memories, the memories. Yeah, man, I used to have uh, one of the original cassettes for uh, License to Ill. Oh, nice. And that's why, like, I know every fucking word of that album because like that was one of the only cassettes i had that and shout at the devil oh were my two cassettes and i'll be goddamned if i'm listening to classic rock radio absolutely not yeah man cassettes used to rule and now trying to bring that back another phil collins break just for chris phil collins no there will be no (laughs) phil collins how dare you bring up that man in my home A pox on your family. Followed by some journey for James. Speaking of poxes, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff, and I am one of your hosts. (laughs) And I'm James, and I'm the other one of your hosts. I got you good, you (laughs) son of a bitch. Every time, every fucking time. Oh. Do you plan this like all week? Okay, (laughs) No, not at all. You just just time it out. like, I will actually, like... Try and think of bits to open shows with, and then I forget all of them by the time Sunday rolls around. <laughs> and then it's usually just you and I bullshittings, and I'm not going to, like, shoehorn a joke in because it breaks up the flow of conversation. And then you stare at me on mic and just go, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, you just every week make me look like a stuttering brick. Well, yeah, that's my job. That's okay. what I get paid to do Oof. by our big ad. Anyway, <laughs> this week we are talking about 2020's Speak No Evil, written by Mads Tad- Taftrup and and Christian Taftrup, directed by Christian Taftrup. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, here we go. Lots of foreign names. Mm-hmm. My favorite. Uh, starring Morton Burian as Bjorn. Uh, Sidzel C.M. Koch as Luis, Freja Van Hewitt as Patrick, and Karina Smolders as Karen. Mm-hmm. Karen. I, uh, James. Yeah. I usually have a question for you, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like due to the contents of this film, asking you if you like this movie would almost be inappropriate. 
Because I'm going to be very honest with you, everything about this film, the shot selection, acting, lighting, every single thing about... This might be one of the best just movies that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I never want to watch it again. Fuck to the no. So, it... My actual quote for this was going to be, I was waiting for you to ask me this, because you ask me this every week, and I will say that I experienced this film this was an experience yeah i watched this uh late at night a couple weeks ago and really uh it was a tumultuous decision on okay do i want to make james watch this and talk about it and ultimately i decided there was too much in this to talk about Mm -hmm. that i having seen it and it having quite an impact on me i thought it would almost be irresponsible of me to keep it to myself oh absolutely and it's uh for anyone listening, we're going to get into some rough subject. It, oh, yeah. It's not going to be a, a fun one. We might not have a whole lot of chuckles. No. Because, uh... Hmm. <laughs> this was a journey, buddy. A journey. I started it, I started it, I started it, and then I finally sat down, knuckled under, and I was going to get it done today because I had watch other shit going on. And I could only watch this in 20-minute bursts not because again not because of my attention span even when nothing was happening i was fucking drawn to this movie mm-hmm. it was kind of like a train wreck you couldn't not look at it you know it was just one of those things and i forgot the point that i was gonna make god damn it that more than anything this might be one of the most just terrifying movies that i have ever seen honestly and it's not in the same way, because we watch a lot of horror movies, obviously, not in the same way that other movies are. I, I, this is a much more raw and visceral kind of yes terrifying. Yes and no, but I'll get into my what I've got to say about that part. But yes, the, this movie, again, ta- when we talk about any violence in movies or anything, we usually talk about physical violence. But this is all about transgression, about transgressiveness, and um, it it really it really really makes its point. I would say this was more a dread movie, a more of a, a yes. suspense, a dread, uh, an uncomfortable. Uh, obviously, horrific things happen, and the way they portray it is terrifying. Yes, but the movie was mostly about dread for me, about social things, about things because I. I'm good with one person because I can't read social cues and I'm constantly fucking something up. You know, uh, either people, the reason people either like me or hate me is because I have no real ability in social situations. I've learned tricks to get through the day. Yeah. And I live in fear of just completely fucking up because when I was young and the people I hung out with, if you fucked up, you got your ass handed to you just to teach you a lesson. And I learned the hard way that way how to deal with people because I, I don't collect clues. So this movie had an extra, extra special weird uh, dread for me because I live in fear of fucking up in social situations because I don't know how to be, I, I know how to fake polite, but that's not me. And I don't read people correctly in that manner. I can read people at a table. I can read people at work because I'm in that situation 10 hours a day and I've learned to figure it out. So this movie fucked with me in that specific manner. I was like, oh. 
And one of the things that really got me, not only the horrific ending, which obviously oh. we, we'll talk about, but the way that it's built, it could, I was, I had no idea what was coming. I had no clue. I knew something bad was happening the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, something awful is happening, and, but you, I, I almost expected it to come from the, uh, the Danish people. Yeah. The, the, the couple that what, came in. What end up being, vic- yeah. Who yeah. ends up being the victims. But hmm. I have expected just because of horror conventions that there would be some sort of twist at the end or that there would be some sort of highly climactic ending. Instead, what it is, is it's, it's a raw nerve of an ending mm-hmm. that's so unsatisfyingly, I guess, realistic mm-hmm. that it really it breaks you as a person, kind of. Well, <laughs> we've talked about this in um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. You know, the banality of the death scenes, the, just the sheer brutality, but stupidity, or stupidity of it. There's just nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Lights on, lights off. And, and they portray it that way. And, and that's what really hits you. Just the plain representation of you know, that, that final scene. It, it was ridiculous. So uh, I guess we should probably, since we've kind of prattled on for a bit, just give a quick synopsis. Mm-hmm. Because it's a very simple plot. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Bjorn and Luis are on vacation in Italy. They meet another couple and their son. And a few months later, they get a letter in the mail mm-hmm. uh, offering, you know, hey, come visit us in Holland. Yeah. And they discuss it and end up thinking, you know, it'd be nice to have friends abroad. <coughs> and, you know, let's do something adventurous. Mm-hmm. And I'd, so there was some, there's really two, uh, again, um, how do I put this? Uh, like a, not a social, not a comedy of errors, but there's nothing funny about this fucking movie. But there's a lot of social conventions because now I'm around a lot of Dutch people and Danish people and all that. And their conventions just culturally are very staid. We're not, they're not overly friendly people. And to fucking go to somebody's house who you don't know like that is a huge fucking deal. You know, it's not something entered into lightly. You know, it's like we're Americans. We're like, yeah, fuck it. I met you Tuesdays. Come on over to the house. We'll have a barbecue. They're fucking, they're not like that out there. Yeah. And right. so that, so that comedy of, not comedy of errors, but that, like, are they being transgressive or not? Is that, are they being out of pocket? Are they being overreactive? That whole kind of. And I, I was so enamored with this film that I actually did read some interviews and stuff about this movie. And this was kind of based on something that happened to the director. He, maybe, and his brother, but they, uh, he met these people and they sent him a, hey, why don't you come stay with us? And he politely declined mm-hmm. and just never answered the the letter, but kind of got to thinking, like, what what is the worst, you know, what would be the worst case scenario, like, had we decided to do this? And this is what they came up with. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is very, very interesting, because it's so laser-focused, that's what really draws you in. We talk a lot about movies being inhabited. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in a not insignificant portion of this is showing their uh, previous vacation in Italy and their life back in uh, Denmark mm-hmm. 
when they're at the house and Bjorn is just one of the most like unsatisfied, you know, middle-aged dudes that there could be. Mm-hmm. He's the bored, normal dad. And so that's when, you know, they decide to make this huge decision and drive to Holland. Yeah, kind of midlife crisis Yeah. Fuck it, let's go to Holland. Yeah, like they discuss it with their friends, and even their friends are like, yeah, it'd be a, a cool experience, you know? Mm-hmm. A, a, it'd be nice to have friends abroad, that, you know, long-lasting memories. Oh, we met them on vacation. So that's what I love about the crafting of this film is that that's not implausible. Right. Whatsoever. There's nothing in this movie that you go... Okay, because it's all kind of tied in. Mm-hmm. The writing is solid. Yeah, and and here here's here's where my problem becomes. I got very strict strict boundaries, and if you if you cross them, I'll call you on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you, I know, <laughs> I would unasked immediately. But this is where we start getting really getting into the meat of the film because mm-hmm. for uh, most of the film it is uh, Patrick and uh, Karen, like you said, being transgressive toward these people that they barely know. Like the minute they walk in the door. Yes, and it's it builds a sense of dread without any sense of a uh, sense of violence. Right. There's no inkling that like there's going to be like a stabbing or something they don't show any knives and and for a minute there i thought we were going to have like a a possessed child kind of thing Mm -hmm. because that kid was off from jump yeah because he doesn't have a fucking tongue and well not only that but the way he looked in the window everything about that kid every shot they made of him prior to any knowledge that we have of anything Mm -hmm. i was already like either that kid's (laughs) that kid's (laughs) causing it (laughs) <laughs> or he's a victim, one of the two. <laughs> and oh boy. <sighs> oh boy, the answer to that's a real humdinger. But oh, anyway, Jesus Christ. So yeah, for a very long chunk of the movie, it's just them being transgressive, which yeah. is, I guess, where we can really start our conversation. Because mm-hmm. this film is not subtle whatsoever about making its point about polite societies. Mm-hmm. And uh, the differences, I guess, differences in culture, but also realizing that culture is not an excuse for just awful behaviors Mm -hmm. and where you draw that line and where cultures draw that line and where the lines get blurred. And it's it's a very, uh, very complex film. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering where you would kind of like to start. (laughs) Well, no, that's an interesting question because now we talk about cultural differences. When when I first moved to like the suburb areas, I had to redraw my line because I was instantly to everybody else. I seemed to have an instant hair trigger. Like, what the fuck did you just say yeah, to me? You were immediately the aggressor, right? Uh, and I had to loosen my boundaries to figure out where transgression was in this area because the whole culture was different. And I had to loosen my boundaries. I still kept them, but I had to loosen them a lot because I had to relearn a whole new thing. So, again, yeah, that's why, again, this movie really hit me because that's something a lot of people experience. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, ooh, sorry, sidetrack there. No, yeah, but that's what I was saying is it's recognizing that there are also differences in our cultures, but... When you see someone acting in a way that is vastly inappropriate, regardless of what culture they are, mm-hmm. 
I I don't know what this movie's trying to say about is it your duty to either leave or confront them? Mm -hmm. Because that's effectively what gets the Danish couple in trouble is they're always second-guessing are we being the judgy ones. And that's where I was trying to figure out where this movie lands, not like politically speaking, but what what message it is trying to send. Mm. Because... All of the like smarmy comments are usually made by Patrick, who mm. ends up being a monster. Right. See, if I'm, because you can look at this from a couple different ways as far as the message they're doing. Don't be a victim. Don't be a sheep. That mm-hmm. sounds a little righty to me. Right. But also, all of these right wing points that it's kind of making is the. Hollanders being the aggressive ones and then using their culture as a crutch for saying, well, we just do things differently. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, that does sound very right leaning, but however, they're monsters. Mm -hmm. So it really blurs that line. Right. And I don't know if it's not a political statement. Is it a, um, what do we want to try? Like a, a, a self self-aware statement like hey you need to stand up for yourself because nobody else is going to stand up for you mm-hmm. because i it hit me in like a lot of the things uh i went um i said two last two years of high school went to a predominantly jewish high school and part of that we talk about why the holocaust happened how the ghettos were made and how polite society and cultural things held you back because of our, the culture, there were obviously we had fighters, we had lots of resistance, but a lot of the people chose to just keep the status quo, which fucked us. Yeah. It, are they trying to say, hey, don't let the right get you? Or are they saying, what are they saying? I can't tell. Didn't care because the movie was fucking good, but it, if it had outside points, they were muddied to me. Right. And it also really taps into, yeah, Bjorn being this beaten down, uh, just regular Joe kind of guy. And then this, you know, more, uh, how should we say, boorish, uh, outlandish character who seems free and almost like Bjorn (laughs) idolizes him in a way. But also, again, he's the monster of the film. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't think that this is leaning one way or another i think it look is looking at it very practically and just saying here this is Mm -hmm. i mean make your own decisions would you have left because of this oh fuck yeah exactly well exactly but also we don't live the type of life that bjorn and uh luis do obviously not no, where, you know, they're very eco-friendly and very much, you know, Bjorn talks about, I'm so tired of smiling, eating dinner with people I don't even like, and mm-hmm. being part of this polite society, and them obviously being victimized because of that, but mm-hmm. their refusal to leave based on, well, are we being judgmental of somebody else's culture, but also rec- at the same time, during the film, recognizing, like, hey, this is out of bounds. Right. Because some of it, like, initially, some of it was just, like, you could write it off. But the one that really stuck with me is they made such a big deal about being a vegetarian at the, at the Italy place, right? And they fucking serve wild boar. 
Uh, and the guy's like, oh, you're a pescatarian. You eat meat. It's a thing. And, you know, you're not really a vegetarian. And I'm like, dude, you're just stepping on everybody's prover- proverbial dick here. What are you doing? That's yeah, out of pocket. It's a, it's a real, like, right-winger thing to do. And that people like that exist all over the place. And I think that's part of the brilliance of this film is that it does. It reminds me of one of those right-wing dickheads who's maybe read a couple books mm-hmm. and can ar- try and argue any point. Right. But ultimately, he's just being an asshole about right, it. Right, right. And what that does, it, because I know people like that, and then you got the little ones, like, they were strict with the kid. They weren't really overly strict, it seemed, because I didn't know anything was happening. I don't know anything about that kid, right? Mm-hmm. But I know that because my children have behavior issues i know what i look like when i'm in public because i have to constantly correct behavior i mean consistently like 30 times in 20 minutes and i know what that looks like so i'm sitting there going i can see it i can see why you could see it either way a lot of the arguments you could see like Mm -hmm. but after five or six of them i'm like oh no oh no that's on purpose and fuck you in the neck (laughs) yeah because i mean Immediately, he insists that she eat wild boar when they get to their house and mm-hmm. repeatedly tells them, yes, I'm a vegetarian. And they bring it back and say, oh, well, if you didn't want to eat it, you could have just said so. Mm-hmm. After, you know, being intimidated and pressured because you're at these people's houses and they're saying, I insist that you try this. And what makes this movie excellent, too, is in hindsight, because everything that you see is fucking addressed. Mm hmm. Why is that kid looking weird all the time? What the fuck's his issue? Are they beating him to death? What's going on? What's going, you know? Yeah. And then, and then the hints, the hints, you know, when they're doing the dances in the living room and they're just laying into Abel, just fucking laying into that kid. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. And what made this movie the super terrifying to me is I have learned <laughs> through watching many of these that the less that happens throughout the movie, the worse it's going to fucking be. Every goddamn time. Every time. They make you fucking wait. And then when they hit you with that shit, it is a thousand times worse because you waited. And you care or you don't care or you've got fucking opinions. And I had opinions about every single solitary character in this goddamn film. And that's what I was talking about, the writing being absolutely brilliant, because it builds. It's one of the best movies that I've seen, maybe ever, at just building a narrative. When you, get, when you sit there and your heart's racing and nothing's happening, there's no dread, but the dread's built so much. My heart was, I'm sitting in an easy chair trying to relax. No caffeine, no nothing. And my heart's going at, you know, 15 beats more than it usually does. And I'm just sitting there going, what the fuck? <laughs> And one of the things that I think is absolutely brilliant about this is that it it does kind of go in waves. Like, it, you know, the high points and low mm-hmm. points where things are fine and then it gets back to uncomfortable. But the level of uncomfortability doesn't necessarily spike with each occurrence. Mm-hmm. They get more transgressive, but then they will do something less. Like when uh, she's yelling at uh, Agnes at the table, mm-hmm. when Karina's correcting Agnes at the table. Yeah. That's not a tremendously, it's not as transgressive as just walking in and taking a piss while Luis is in the shower. Or brushing like, your teeth while old girl's in the shower. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's, what, that's what I meant. Sorry, yeah. No, but I, I would have been the fuck out of there right then. I, I, he was what? Yep. While you were where? Uh-huh. 
um, there's going to be some ass whooping here, and we're going to get the fuck out of here. But first, I got to go talk to, I got to talk to Captain Beard over there. We need to discuss the state of fuck out of the bathroom while my wife's naked. Yeah. Because I'm going to have to punch you in the throat. But what I'm saying is that the, uh, uh, Kareen, uh, correcting Agnes at the table mm-hmm. is toward the end of the film. Yeah. And it's one of the less transgressive things, but it's just this, this building and building and building and always making you question What's happening? Like, who is going to end up being the insane ones here? Because the way that it's plotted out, the Danish couple, it could be that one of them snaps because Louise runs outside after the table thing mm-hmm. or after the dance thing. Mm-hmm. And she looks like she's losing her fucking mind. Mm-hmm. And due to horror convention, like I've already said, I was expecting some kind of like big reversal that makes you go, whoa. See, and I didn't see that in the film. My brain didn't go there because there was so much going on in a linear fashion, which I'm not used to, that my brain didn't have to go like fill in the blanks. It didn't have to invent stories that weren't there. It didn't have to tie things in there because I was fucking involved every second of this movie. That's why I had to pause it. I was involved and it's a rare movie that keeps me that involved for that long a time that I don't want to watch it, but I have to find out. Mm -hmm. And then while I'm watching it, I'm like, well, I got to turn it off soon because it's uncomfortable, but I can't not watch it. Yep. And the way, just the way that it ties everything together, the beginning of the film, when they're showing a lot of Bjorn just looking, <laughs> Bjorn looks forlorn. <laughs> All slumpy in his chair. Yep. And just bummed out that he's back to his regular life and, you know, this new thing happens. And then when he and Patrick go to that quarry, which uh, we'll, oh. we'll get to. Oh, the, there's something about that scene. I used, I, I worked at this one place, and they always shown movies in the corner with no sound on it. There's this weird fucking Cthulhu-ish kind of movie with Tim Curry. Hmm. It was called The Shout or The Scream, and it was about this guy from Africa. Anyway, they went to the quarry and shouted, and somebody died. And that looked exactly like the guy kind of looked half-assed like Tim Curry. The whole, the whole quarry <laughs> shot, the whole quarry shot was just almost exactly the same in my memory. I don't know if it is, but it, the correlation is right there. And I'm like, he must have seen that movie because that was fucking that part. I didn't know anything about the movie, but the quarry scene was dreadful. And I had to go back and watch the movie to find out what was happening. Mm-hmm. Goddamn boringest movie I ever saw, but I had to watch the whole thing for that quarry scene. <laughs> but that's why I remembered it. And you're welcome. Anyway, yeah. what were we talking about? <laughs> How, well, just the writing tying everything together. Like oh, yeah. bringing him to the quarry and shouting and, you know, Bjorn trying to, you know, maintain what shred of manliness he has by, like, not crying. And he finally breaks down. And the next thing is him and Patrick, like, screaming in this quarry. And then he's, you know, the way that it shot is him f- from underneath. This mm-hmm. shot up at him, this victorious, like... Bjorn's back and you know it shows them like running out to the pool and drinking beers Mm -hmm. and being all manly yeah and just the way that it's structured to then have him yelling at Patrick a few scenes later in the you know the dance cup throwing scene it really makes you think that you know due to horror conventions man where is this going to end up like who's going to be the killer here and Mm -hmm. uh it ends so much worse than I possibly imagined. <laughs> because the only part of the film that really is kind of a, mm, okay, 
is when he finds all the pictures. Mm. But again, that's just visual storytelling. You kind of have to do that because it's a movie Uh still. But that's the only time that I flagged it for being kind of like unrealistic almost. Yeah, you, you should go now. Yeah. yeah, this is the time to go. Wow. Yep. And, and they do. Yeah. And they absolutely do oh, mm-hmm. when he finds Abel floating face down in the weird pool. Oh, God, yeah. And fuck me running. Oh, the first time they left, they were going to be gone. Mm. That goddamn rabbit. N- not the first time this happened in a movie. <laughs> that fucking rabbit. My kid would have been short of rabbit. Fuck that rabbit. <laughs> Fuck that rabbit in the neck. Nope, that rabbit's gone. I'll buy you six more, buddy. You ain't getting that one. Why? Because fuck these people. (laughs) Right. One of the other things that I was wondering, like, was it a smart move? Or, again, I don't know what they're trying to say. Having the, uh, we'll call him the babysitter, be almost like an Arab individual. I, I wasn't. I was trying to figure out what they're trying to say about that. Was they're in cahoots or? Well, yeah, because do he's they the traffic one... extra kids? What's going on? Well, I'm guessing so because I mean he shows up and I'm guessing he's checking out Agnes to see if it's hmm. a, a product that he can. Move. I don't know. I don't how to know. Word this correctly for trafficking. Yes, for for child trafficking, mm-hmm. and making him Arab because when he walks in. Louise has a gigantic problem with it right away. And you see her have to, like, the polite society thing, check her racism. No, fuck that. I don't know you. You ain't watching my kid. Fuck no, exactly. You. But it's the polite society where, oh, well, no, the whole neighborhood uses him. And not only because he's cheap and he's immediately doing magic tricks in front of the kids. I want four numbers. I need to talk to these people. Why? Because fuck you. That's yeah. why. No, that's exactly what I was saying, but that's not the type of people that Bjorn and Luis oh, are. Oh, no. They've probably never run across anything like that. Uh-huh. They're used to stomping their little feet and carrying it up or something, you know? And that's what, again, just the reflections of, it, I don't even know if we could call it culture, just different personality types worldwide because people like these exist in every single country. I, I don't know any. <laughs> Well, I mean, I know, like, I know, but I know people exist yeah, like that. The, the very, like, how do I want to say, like, conservative liberals, mm-hmm. the very, very nice, like, oh, well, we do this because it's what we read was good for the environment. And, and, and again, you think about where they're at. They've never worried about having to have enough money to go to the doctor. They live their lives and they live their lives in a very large bubble mm-hmm. with very like minded people and very little very little uh, conflict. So, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right, you know. I think about it from my lens because I can't not look at it from that lens. But Exactly. But that's why this is such, like, good social commentary is, you know, even in Italy, Patrick is kind of the boisterous, you know, he's the one who makes the toast at dinner. Yeah. That and, was, a, that was, I was like, well, that's a charming motherfucker. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we're, okay, Patrick's a very interesting character, and I think I kind of pinpointed why. And not only the actor playing him, very, very good, but the character of Patrick is also a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's such an interesting thing to portray in a film. And, because yeah. there's glimpses of where, almost like where he slips character. Because, obviously, this is something that they do a lot. Mm-hmm. Who else is he going to talk to? He's an international child trafficker. He probably doesn't have friends. Mm-hmm. So, like, when they're in the car and he, they're talking about music, 
He's like, there's some very good music from Holland. Would you like me to play you some? You know, I like singing. I love to sing. And he's singing in the car, and he almost drops character for a minute. Mm-hmm. And you see him almost like trying to like, you know, connect to a person. Right. Oh, and fucking. And it, which makes it even more chilling. Oh yeah. Because. Ugh. Well, no, and and now that I think about it too, he's consistently testing, and that's why they keep pushing those conventions. How far can we push them? Can are these the couple? Are we going to let these ones go and try another one? Because they keep testing them. You know, mm-hmm. and they ask questions about the kid, you know, that kind of shit, you know, just in conversation. But you look back, you can see it. Oh, fuck. The movie gets better and better. And I really like this movie. I mean, I'm never watching again, but. No. Fuck no. But this is one of those pieces. There's a couple movies I've watched in my life I'll never watch again, but I'm glad to have watched. And this is definitely one of them. Yeah. Like I said, it, it might be one of the best movies that I've ever seen. Just it. Technical story acting, everything about it is fucking spot on. As much as I don't like where the story ends up, the oh. progression of it is so goddamn good, and I never want to see it again. Because should we get into the ending a little bit? Here? We have to because we've danced around it. Now I, I don't ever say spoiler alert, but this is a relatively new movie, and it's I would say it's obscure if you're not a horror fan. It's a Shutter original, right? But it's not. You're not going to look for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're in an art movie, film, yeah. right? You're not, you're, I don't care if you're into Academy Awards stuff. I don't care what you're, this is not something you're going to, oh, maybe I'll look at. This is kind of a niche thing. Yeah. It's a, I found it on Shudder. Literally. That's what yeah. this is. Yeah. But, oh God. So, huh. uh, Bjorn gets up in the middle of the night because the TV's on super loud. There's mm-hmm. a sink dripping. And the door to this uh, like shed that they have outside is banging around. Mm-hmm. He goes in and he sees pictures of uh, Patrick and Karen with just tons of other children mm-hmm. and, and other couples with their children mm-hmm. and the, the repeating cycle and yep. Abel with his actual parents. Yep. So oh. Bjorn gets them all in the car and they go. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, we're to believe anyway that it's Patrick following them. We mm-hmm. ne- it's never conclusive. It is not. And, but it would kind of make sense. You know, it, he know he's done this before. Yeah, so wherever they end up, he it, knows where they're going to go because that's the only place to go. Yeah, and he was outside smoking a cigarette, too. They show him and out. Did he, do you think he siphoned the gas because it was on empty when Bjorn got in the car? But it went, and it didn't make sense to me. I, I have no idea. Because he was revving it in the ravine, too, and I couldn't figure out why he went off into the ravine. Uh, that was because I believe there was a car following them, and it was the, I'm just going to, I see a okay. small clearing. I'm getting off of this road. Okay. I, I couldn't tell if there was, because I sometimes miss things in movies, and I didn't, it was so intense, I didn't want to rewind. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the, I just saw a kid, dead kid face down in a pool panic drive. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing something important. No, so, uh, yeah, as you said, they get stuck in a ravine, and Bjorn goes looking for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't find anything, finds a house that's empty. And that's where I thought he was going to get. Figured it fucked. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I like about this movie is it kind of, I don't want to use the shitty term, like, defies conventions, but mm-hmm. he just wanders back to the car, which, again, kind of proving that, you know, he's this guy who's not, like, I'm not saying he's inept, but he's not <coughs> that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He he's very much out of his element, so he just comes back and uh, Luis and Agnes are gone. Mm-hmm. 
car pulls up and it's Patrick. Yep. And uh, he very politely tells, you know, says, don't hurt my family. He says, just do what we say and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's, well, I mean, it becomes very, very chilling. Mm-hmm. Because they pull, they get uh, Bjorn into the car. Yep. And they make it some stop somewhere and then they pull to uh, like a crossroads. Yep. Flick the lights a couple times. And Bjorn says something about, you know, don't hurt my family. And Patrick just cranks him. Yep. Just, just breaks his fucking face. Yep. Reminiscent of when old boy got, you know, when uh, Uma got clacked in the face with uh, the jack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the more chilling things that I've ever seen, yeah, Karen saying, Luis, let go of Agnes. And that's when we know, oh, no, something is, they're not just murderers or mm-hmm. what have you. And uh, that's when we see the babysitter <coughs> that was mm-hmm. there before get out of the car. Yep. Walk over and put Luis in a chokehold. Yep. Patrick holds the their daughter Agnes's mouth open. <coughs> and they take those previously stated dull shears. Now... Because of, I had to send my kids out of the room because it was getting rough. Because before they weren't paying attention, so they were. It was a boring ass movie to them. Right. They, but I knew something was happening, and as soon as he came back to the car, it's like kids get out of the room, and I missed a part of it. So I got to the part where the shears were holding something and cutting, and it took me a second for my brain to register what the fuck they were doing. And had I watched the whole time, it would have been horrific. But because I walked into it. And I'm like, the fuck is that? What is in the scissors? It's the tongue. It's, it's the tongue. It it's is a the child's tongue. tongue. I know. And as it registered, the Dude. terror, the terror just spiraled. It's one of the more, and I don't want to say shocking because, I mean, we've seen a lot of shit in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. But this was an angle that I hadn't really seen coming. Uh-huh. And it didn't cut away. No. They show them cut this little girl's tongue out of her mouth. Uh, and, and, then, and then the scene, which was almost even worse, is later when they're pulling her away and you can see the blood coming out of her mouth. Uh-huh. With this man just carrying her away. And everybody's fucked. Uh-huh. And everybody's fucked. Uh, yep. Uh, obviously, Bjorn and Luisa are just emotionally wrecked. They are out of their goddamn minds. And uh, so Patrick brings them back to the ravine that they were shouting in previous to that. With his empowerment. Uh-huh. And it, one of the just worst things that you've prob- you could ever see, Bjorn says, why are you doing this? And Patrick just says, because you let me. Mm-hmm. And then you think of all the transgressions every time they stepped on their dick. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Oh, they didn't push. Okay, this is the couple. We'll try again. Let's do this other thing. Let's yell at the kids. Let's fucking walk in on the bathroom. If they don't say shit, this is our couple. Yep. And that's why I think it took like a weekend because I think they had to call the the, the, the babysitter yep. who probably obviously is from another country mm-hmm. had to come in and yep. yeah, that's why they needed the weekend. Yep. And the night before the thing comes in, checks out the girl, says, yep, we'll do it tomorrow night. And did you notice the whole time that the kid never spoke English? 
Mm. Only sp- remember, they only spoke to her in the native language. The parents would speak in English, but the kid would only speak and respond in, I think, what, Swedish or whatever they were speaking? Uh, Danish, yeah. Danish, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know what they speak in, I, yeah, in Denmark. There's about a, uh, out of our 12 listeners, six of them are on, on their Google going, motherfucker, it's this and that and the other yeah. thing. It's Danish. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. The same thing, right? <laughs> but, yeah, you, you look back at every single transgression and go, fuck. Mm-hmm. And just the way that they've lived, you kind of realize like, oh, they almost didn't have a chance with these just charismatic predators. And 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 this is where where my where my own personal like fuck a bunch of all this. When they were down in the ravine, I'm like, well, I would have at least tossed a rock. And then I'm thinking, no, they wouldn't. They've never tossed a rock. I don't think I don't think Bjorn has ever thrown a fist in anger. I don't oh, think no. he's ever had to do anything. So when he's forced to a place, fight or flight, and there's nowhere to run. Shut, shuts down. What, what is it? Did you ever have to read Watership Down? Where no. something goes tharn? Like the fucking deer in the headlights, they just go tharn. They just stop. And that's exactly what happened to him because they've never, ever had to deal with that kind of adversity. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's no fight. Yep. They bring them to that ravine and say, well, take off your clothes. And they just immediately comply. I'm like, and, I'm, I'm going to die anyway, motherfucker. <laughs> well, yeah, but again, that's the reflection yeah. of the societies that we've created, obviously, is that they are still holding out this weird hope that they're going to be okay or, or they just have accepted that they're going to die. And, yeah, they don't put up a fight. They stand at the bottom of this ravine and they hug until a rock clips Luis right in the head. Just biffs her. Oh my God, that was visceral. It's, it was one of the more, dis- again, I'm going to say most disturbing deaths that I've seen. Because in you film. could almost see the actress's lights go out. Because, too, did you notice while they were standing at the bottom of that and naked and shivering and cold and hugging? The second she was struck is when the soundtrack ends. Yes. And it's just dead silence against rocks hitting flesh. Mm-hmm. And I just thought another thing. We talk about the use of music in this film. I clocked. I put it in my notes. There were three times. There were transition scenes where nothing happened and nothing. It didn't result in anything except moving from one place to the other. And this had this very scary, sturm and drang, like operatic thing for nothing. And it's fucking with my head. And then when the horrible shit happens, they cut the music. Mm-hmm. So they set it up a couple times that, okay, that doesn't mean anything, that doesn't mean anything. They're playing music when horrible shit's happening, and then they cut it when the worst shit happens. And all the rocks come flying down. Fucking brilliant. Dude. I didn't even notice that. It's so... This entire film is so off-putting that just by the time it's over, it's almost a relief. <laughs> Because when they do the shot from above where they're just lying blue and dead at the bottom of this fucking yeah. <laughs> quarry pit, you kind of almost are like, all right, good. <laughs> like, I'm glad that we are done with this. 
and <laughs> we're not no because i mean in one of the more disturbing things too after they've killed them and they know pretty much either they're dead or they're going to die through the night yeah because you know exposure they're yeah. not going anyplace no uh karen just nuzzles up to patrick and they look down you know at their work or what they've done mm-hmm. no sense of humanity whatsoever like they've Monsters. done this a million times and yep. i mean due to the pictures we've seen that yeah. they have but it's but this also makes this makes it make more sense too because we talk about the tests that you know the t- tests that they were put through. In my head, it's like there's a thousand things that could have gone wrong. How many times could they do this without having something fuck up, or the kid fight, or the mom fight, or the dad fight? And it makes sense now because they've been clocking them since Italy. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every family, I'm guessing, that's the test that they put them through is. Can we victimize them? Because if we can, we have a better chance of whatever. If it's these people that are going to stand up for themselves, mm-hmm. we might just hold on to the current kid for a little bit longer or whatever. Yeah, we'll, just, we'll 86 them, but we'll do it fucking quick. Yeah, it's – and there's no alluding of what they're being trafficked. I've, I mean, it's child trafficking. Right. But they're obviously keeping some of these kids right. as uh, – I don't want to say uh, a bait. Yes, that's exactly for mm. fam other families. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of the most bone chilling endings. Usually, I almost get bored with movies by endings, and mm-hmm. I'm never like sometimes very much not impressed. Yeah, I I don't know whether to say I like this ending because that sounds ghoulish. No, it doesn't because we can. You got to understand that. Although transgressive and it is art and it can be enjoyed as art, do we enjoy the subject that it is portraying? No, we enjoy the way we the enjoy, craft. <laughs> we enjoy the craft in, in, in the way it was presented. It doesn't make us like it. It's not glorifying it. It's not making it a good thing. It's not making a statement about it. And it, that's where I wanted to talk about, yeah, kind of the differences because, uh, the other big Danish director being like Lars von Trier Mm -hmm. with the house that Jack built that we've covered. I think this has a lot more uh, restraint and a lot less of uh, like the, I want to be an edge Lord quality. Although that very last scene when they're pulling up to the blue and you can see the, the down shot where they're laying in repose. And I'm, I was trying to look it up because it looked like two separate paintings put together, like the Ascent of Venus with something else. And because I used, every week, because we I'm from Chicago, we used to go to the Art Institute every three days for field trips. Right. And fucking, they look like two different paintings or maybe a painting that I'm not familiar with in that style. So that kind of had a venture quality, that staged repose. Right, but it seemed but it less fit. glorifying oh, absolutely. of the horribleness. It right. seemed like a much more stark look at things. It rather was subtle, than, yeah. yeah. The, the, here's the facts of this story. Yes. Rather than the almost trying to make our villains seem cool, because there are a lot of times where he goes on and on and on in these boisterous, long uh, diatribes about things. Mm-hmm. And... Some of it, I guess it depends on your worldview, but some of it is either seen as, oh, well, he's right, or it can be seen as like, no, you're just an arrogant shitbag. Well, now that you mention it, if we talk about art films or, or art in general, 
Um, there is overt art things that you, oh, this is a piece. This is a piece of work right here. This boy, this here is art with a capital A. And then there's subtlety. And the subtlety, a lot of times, will oh, you can overlook the fact that I, I didn't see the craft until after I'd seen the movie and I thought about it. It was so subtle. The shots they picked, the lighting, the, the light versus dark, all the things were technically right the fuck on. Mm-hmm. Which is art in and of itself, but it's art that didn't call attention to itself as being it, which made it even better for me. I, I like the subtlety. I, I mean, I enjoy getting fucking hit upside the head with art, too, but there was so much there for me to really settle into, and I really, really appreciated that. And the difference between this and a large Montreal is <laughs> big, gigantic themes and everything and and. Very linear storytelling, but the themes are there, and it fucking keeps you, and it makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, and I was reading a interview that the director did on uh, RogerEbert.com. Actually. Holy shit, you're you're doing? I usually do that. You're you're the one well, reading interviews. Yeah, because this, time. this movie really got me, and he was talking about how you know they rewrote this a number of times. Like they wanted to have at the end it be like. 50 different couples that were killing people at this thing like they were some sort of sect. Okay. And they realized, like, uh, we don't have, like, the budget for all these extras and all this. So. It would have cheapened the movie a little bit. Yeah, and so we had to slim it down. He said that they had uh, a few jump scares written in and realized, like, this isn't working. And so they took those out. At one point, he said they had a supernatural element in there. It was just like, this, it's not quite working when we're trying to... They killed their babies. Yeah, well, yeah, when they're trying to take a story like this and inject, like, something mystical or, some, you know, something that wasn't just this cold, stark reality, they said it just, it wasn't working. Well, we don't mention this a lot, but think about how often you and I have both said, fucking, too many hats. <laughs> uh-huh. Cut some of these ideas, linear... They fucking cut their, they, they made it. They tried, they had this thing laid out and they're putting pieces in, taking pieces out. They're crafting something. They're fucking crafting something. And it shows because, yeah, like we said, uh, just the character of Patrick, like we talked about, he almost breaks character. Like he just needs a friend every once in a while. Yeah. And like he, you know, gets to know these guys or mm-hmm. something. And, you know, well, I deserve a party or whatever, but business is business. I still have to kill him at the end of the day. And he's just such an interesting guy that it, it takes a lot to sit down and write something like that. And I guess there was they went through a lot of auditions because people would, you know, get to the end of the script and say, I might not want to be in this. Well, one of the things that you mentioned about Patrick, what's his name? The guy, um, the, the, guy the bad guy? Oh, Patrick. Yeah. yeah, Patrick, about being a monster. His wife was just the same kind of monster, complete sociopath, right? Mm-hmm. And she played it by just being there. And yeah, by trying to be the. Not being a. She wasn't a victim. She's along for the fucking ride. She's right there with him, enjoying everything about what we've done. And she reminds me of the. uh, When people say, like, well, I'm not a bitch. I just speak the truth or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have control over how you say things. Yeah. And just the way that she said things, like none of it was objectively untrue. Like when she was defending when uh 
they were trying to leave the first time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, you know, I'm sorry, we don't have a large house and I can't offer you a king-size bed, bed. Bjorn. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And if you had wanted something different to eat, all you had to do is tell us, Mm -hmm. you know, when it was already in front of you or whatever. All that passive-aggressive bullshit. Yeah, we're... You know, and oh well, Agnes was crying because uh, Louise found Agnes sleeping in their bedroom when they were naked. Mm-hmm. Trying, trying to put a wooden. What's up with you, freaks? You, you want to talk shit about us? You're sleeping in bed naked with your kid. The fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, and uh, you know, well, Agnes was crying, and where were you? Because Patrick was watching a fuck after she got out mm-hmm. of that shower. Oh yeah. So they knew that they had like an end to you know kind of that poking and prodding whatever oh we'll just bring the daughter in here uh-huh and you know well agnes was crying where were you louise where were you uh-huh and she has no response and again it's that polite society thing where they didn't have it ingrained in them to say like no that's still unacceptable yeah they're not fucking cool yeah and it it's the well i should check myself because maybe i was wrong and assuming that maybe it's different here and you know yeah. that thought process and well the idea i guess the n- idea nudity out there they all hang out naked in saunas and shit yeah and i mean i'm obviously not european but i know europe has a a little bit freer mm-hmm. uh about nudity but fuck a bunch of all that yeah but no that's still (laughs) that's that's not a question of culture that is no that's wrong that is completely out of pocket right the fuck there yeah but they're too afraid to call it out and leave and that's what just everything about this movie fits so well that i can't recommend it enough oh god no but just be forewarned, you're going to see some shit that's going to ruin your day. Oh, yeah. Trigger warning like a motherfucker. It's a rough fucking movie. It is. And like we said, there's not a lot of... The violence that's in it is very much in the last 10 minutes, and it's appalling. Mm -hmm. But there's no other violence, really, except for maybe the opening shot where we can tell, looking back, that they're getting bodies out of the car. Yeah. Um, I think... Too, we've seen more horrific violence. We have seen we have seen uh, things that we don't usually cover. That kind of thing. And yeah, we've seen films that where characters were more outright manipulative. Yeah, and the topics that are even more objectively horrific than what happened. But this well, is child trafficking is pretty up there. <laughs> no, I understand that, but. What I'm saying is we've seen it done worse. We've seen it written larger. We've seen it, but this was somehow more horrifying because it was based more in reality. And that was a point I wanted to make earlier is that the fact that this, not exactly this could happen, but things like this have happened. For the, the backpackers in Australia, for example, that we, we talked about that when we were doing that Razor or whatever the uh, fuck movie we were Wolf watching. Wolf Creek? Yeah, when we were doing Wolf Creek. It was based on a, a real serial killer. It was based on a thing that happened. So these things can happen. And the idea of being a fish completely out of water in a culture or society, you've not... It's very easy to transgress so hard that you're going to throw hands. But this is showing it multiplied by a thousand and... I have social anxiety like a motherfucker because I can't read people. In anything but very specific situations, which tends to be life and death. If you're not sitting there burnt mad dog, I mean, I don't know what fuck that face means in general, you <laughs> yeah. know? And I got to sit here and figure it out. 
And that hit that fear, that fear button through the whole goddamn movie. And yeah, just even the tiniest things, like when Louise cuts herself and, oh, Patrick, can you look at her finger? And it comes out like, oh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, <laughs> I forgot I about that. Yeah. And he explains it too. He's like, oh, sometimes I get self-conscious when I meet new people and I want to make a good impression. Which, due to everything else that's happened, is a gigantic red flag. And then when he says, I don't but work and I'm... You know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't work. I've never worked. I don't believe in working. Right, but they've got this place now. Now I'm sitting there going, "The fuck you? How? Wait a second. And that's what I was thinking too. Is like that has to be their home. Yeah, because they know the guys at the bar. Yeah, that's how like, long they've been doing it, and it's never fucked up. Because now, now that I think about it, if it fucked up once, yeah, yeah, call your buddy and get the fuck out. You, you can set up this whole gig someplace the fuck else. Yeah, you, you got found out. It's easy to unass. Let's go. Uh-huh. And I guess that was the only one part that kind of is a little weak for me is when uh, he takes Bjorn to the market. Because that means people had seen them together. And obviously, if they're just leaving their bodies at the bottom of this fucking ravine, they might not. We're never shown. I thought, I thought in one of the flashbacks, we saw some movement of bodies or something. I, in I, the, the very first shot is them uh, getting out of the car. And it looks, it's very briefly, but it right. looks like they're like, getting a body out. But isn't like um, when they did, like at the end of the movie, didn't they show them moving bodies or something also at the end? I don't remember because I was so fucking weirded out by this movie. Yeah. That I don't remember if I saw it at the beginning, at the end, in the middle, because my brain was just going, what the actual fuck did I just see? Uh-huh. I do this after every movie, but usually figure it out in about five, ten minutes, sometimes an hour. I'm still working through this goddamn movie, and I'm going to be working through this movie for a good week. It's going to occupy a large space in my head. I, I thought about it at, like at work all day long. Like, what? where does all of this fit? Like... All of the transgressions, all of the things, all of the red flags that are ignored, but all of the red flags that were ignored for almost understandable reasons. Right. If you're not the type of person who is... <coughs> judgmental? Yeah, and used to, you know, like, uh, we'll say just kind of like a hard life. Right. Where people are always trying to fuck you over or something. They're not used to that. So how much of that could have been ignored and how much of it is just being polite and not wanting to offend somebody of another culture and you're not speaking. It just everything about it hits on so many levels. It's, it, it'll be on my mind for a while. And, and what most people don't realize and they say, don't be ju judgmental. You can't not be judgmental or you would not exist as a human being you have to make your brain looks for patterns so that you don't have to think 100 percent of the time mm -hmm. so your judgments are based on your past experiences so you better fucking listen to your judgment and acknowledge it at least to completely ignore it and i think that's a good point it, use a little bit come on use some yeah and like i've said before just the and i again i don't want to use the defying conventions but there's no, like, climax, really. I mean, there's no, like, exciting fight scene with the killers or anything. It's just this stark, cold murder. Right, and it's not even... Okay, and this is an interesting point. If we think about a lot of movies, it's good versus evil, demonic versus innocent, whatever. But because there was no fight back, it was just evil as evil. 
and transgression as transgression because there was no fight back. There was no pushback. There was no dichotomy between good and bad. There was, it was just like, hey, fuck you, shit's bad, and you fucked up. Yeah, it was, it's literally just a very stark lion and lamb situation. No morality play. Nothing, it's not good triumphs versus evil or evil triumph because good was slacking. It wasn't anything. It was fuck you. You were, you, you checked all the boxes. You're dead now. Yeah. We got your kid. Fuck you. You, you let me. Mm-hmm. That, oh, that was chilling. That cold response of just, why are you doing this? Because you, you let, let me. me. And again, that's where I don't know where this movie's trying to fall on saying, don't be a victim or just be aware that these people exist. And, and again, is, is it sad? People it, exist and not everybody's bad, but don't be, be on the lookout. Don't, you know, don't be a, don't be a mark. Yeah. Don't be a Vic. Just not saying look for horrible things everywhere. Don't be paranoid. But here, here's the deal. If you step on my toes once or twice, I'm going to let it pass. If it doesn't involve my family, third time, I'm going to warn you. Hey buddy. Then I would have said, hey, you said this and you said that. What, what's going on here? And they, but they did, and that's the thing. But then they forgave it no, immediately. Right, but here's the thing. That's the, I, I question you after the third time. Now you step on my dick again. Hey, buddy, we just talked about this. And then, so it's a natural progression. So, hey, I've warned you twice. I'm leaving, leaving. Fuck the rabbit. <laughs> Fuck you. And uh, fuck the horse you rode in on. Because there's, I'll, you can allow a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. But you better have a line. You better have a line. Because if you don't have a line, they're gonna, somebody's the going to cross is, the fuck out of the it. The world is going to eat you alive. Yes. <laughs> oh, And I'm not going to sit here and say grit makes you better. I'm not going to say having it, but... Having a line is important to everybody because, I don't know, I, I, maybe that's the point it's making. It's not making an overarching point about the right or the left. Maybe it's making a point about just basic humanity. Hey, you should have a sense of awareness of when you're being transgressed upon. It's important for you to know that. You're not going to die, but you're going to be embarrassed at, at the lightest and you're going to catch a fist at the worst. Or you're going to die at the worst. But you're going to catch yeah. a fist on the other, other, in the middle of that spectrum. Be aware. Be aware. Yeah, and I mean, obviously... Not a this, bad message. This ends in the worst way possible. But mm. that's because you can't make a film about just one couple kind of being dickheads to another. Right. Because that's one thing that they talked about is that this could have easily been like a, a comedy. A, yeah. A, a, comedy of errors and cultural mm -hmm. errors and faux pas and yada 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 but when you turn it sideways what you get is almost more horrifying than any monster that we've seen well i was trying to when i was talking about before like a comedy of errors a comedy of manners yeah like one of those uh what are what are those books uh fucking jane ear all those things where well it's like societal to america yeah oh dear <laughs> i have made a faux pas yeah and, and that would have been an interesting it could have even made an interesting drama just a straight-up drama about class relations, and this would have been a fantastic movie that way, too, but fuck, throw the horror on it. God damn. Yeah. It, That's a hat that needed to be on this fucking movie. Uh-huh. And it's a, just the tension throughout this entire film is just gripping. It's 
and unrelenting. This is the most uncomfortable I have ever felt watching a movie. The single most, and I've been uncomfortable in a lot of these movies. But on top of all of that, it's so good. I, I thought I couldn't get more uncomfortable than the Anwar movies. It's so good, it James. Is. I'm gushing. I'm gushing. This fucking movie. Again. I got people to call uh-huh. to fucking watch this thing. In fact, when I get home, I'm going to be talking about this on the Facebook page going, hey, if you have not seen this movie, see it now. And after you see it, check out this yeah. next episode because but, this movie is the fucking business. Once again, if you have heard us talk about it, you have heard us say it is rough. It yeah. is not, uh, I don't want to say not for the faint of heart. <laughs> not for like, the squeamish. But really, though, like if, <laughs> if, if something is going to make you uncomfortable, and especially as a parent, oh. it's, it's this. It kicks you square in, square in the dads. Yeah. Oh, boy. It kicks you fucking hard so, with steelies. So I guess that being said, would you recommend this? Because, like, I think we've alluded to, this will be recommended only to somebody who I know could handle this. I will not recommend this to my casual moviegoer friends, but I don't have a lot of casual moviegoer friends. Most people I know that I will talk to about this movie got either some kind of edge or some kind of art enough or into movies enough to where I can tell them, hey fucking hard to watch hard hard to watch but it's an experience that you need to have it's you need to have this if you are in to film if you are into writing if you are into acting if you're into the craft of whatever's going on here this you must see it regardless of how tough it is to watch um the opposite of fuck you for making me watch this, Chris. Because when earlier when you said, fuck, I don't know, it's going to be a rough one. We got a choice here. It's like, no, fucking do it. Because every time you've done that, every <laughs> time you've done that to me, the first thing I say is, fuck me running. This is going to be a rough gig. Uh-huh. And every time it is a rough gig, but I'm happy to have watched it. Okay. I've experienced something. It made me think about things I, A, I don't want to think about, but it made me think about them in different ways and how they apply to social convention and how they can apply to the, myst- the mysteriousness of reading people to me. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this goes, hey, my lines are there for a reason. It, yes, I've softened them. And the older I get, the softer they get because I lived in softer places. But it's good to still have them, and, and the boundaries are important. And God damn, this movie's fucking good. It really is. But uh, Who would you recommend this movie to? I, I honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. Because like the only other like really big movie head that I know is uh, the co-host of our other show, Brad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think Brad would... He might appreciate the craft of it, but at the end of the day, I think he would be like, I, I didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with this is I have a hard time saying I liked it because it feels wrong. Mm-hmm. It it feels wrong to say I en- I enjoyed this. I enjoyed experiencing this movie. Yes. It, okay. It, it, it I did not enjoy the subject matter. <laughs> I didn't enjoy a lot of the theme of this movie. 
but I enjoyed experiencing this movie. And there's a big difference. Yeah. A huge difference. And speaking of the co-host of the other show, I was listening to, I don't know, like a King cast about the Salem's Lot or something. And I swear to God, because I, I listened to the other podcast, right? And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing on a King cast? Because, <laughs> you know, as somebody who had done some Hollywood stuff. And, and I'm looking, and, and I just, it was the same last name. And I'm like, fuck no. And I had to, I had to re, <laughs> and it wasn't him. And I'm just like, I wonder if he's got a brother that's still out there doing <laughs> shit. Because I'm like, it sounded exactly like him. But then I'm like, oh, no, if you have to act, you have to learn an accent. You have to learn a way of speaking so that you can get different parts. You can't sound like you're from, you know, Buttfuck Falls, New Jersey. You have to sound like this. So that, but for like 10 minutes, I'm fucking going, is that him? What's going on? Uh, New Jersey, the armpit of America. <laughs> the smell reflects that statement. I have been in bars in Jersey City and I can, I can, um, I, I agree. I believe it was, I think it was in Trenton, New Jersey. I got off a Greyhound to smoke a cigarette. I was like, man, this fucking city stinks. <laughs> What the hell is going on here? No public bathrooms. Of course the city's things. Uh, mm. and, and, Urine and I, desperation. And I still have a bone to pick with New Jersey over uh, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh, fuck. I do, too. <laughs> well, oh. I, I know we're wrong about that opinion about Springsteen, but mm -hmm. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> He's right up there with my hate of Journey and Phil Collins. Oh, James. Yes. Where can people find us? They can find us on whorevomitpodcast at gmail.com, motherfucker. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're really getting uppity about this. I might have to stop asking you. <laughs> that makes me happy. Yeah, I, I don't Two wanna, weeks in a row. I, I don't want you to uh, feel like you are on the same peg as me. I gotta oh, no, 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 no. I got to knock you down one and take I'm this fully, away. I'm fully aware of my position here <laughs> at this podcast. Take, take this away from you now that you've finally gotten it. <laughs> hey, one of these days, I'm not going to be a stuttering prick when you, when you say, hey, folks. It's like taking away the kid's video game, and when he finally gets it back, like, oh, yeah, I broke it. Sorry. <laughs> Just be a real asshat about it. Uh, well, you know, this this podcast wouldn't be what it is if I wasn't constantly on edge. So fuck you, Chris. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on our Facebook group. We had an Instagram page. And uh, if you like what you heard here today, mm -hmm. if, it, if it made you moist in any sort of way. Moist or stiff or a combination of both. Yeah, stiffly moist. Mm. Just spit on it. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can go to wherever podcasts are sold for free. And yeah. you can give us some stars. All the stars. It would really help us out. A written review as well. Helps oh. get eyes on us so that beautiful, we can beautiful. quit going to work and do this. And it has been proven that... Uh we will read a five-star. We will read a five-star. Hell, I'll read the one-star reviews, mm -hmm. even. Who gives a shit? Fuck them. And uh, if you give us a five-star and we see it, <clears throat> yeah. I, we manage a shout-out. I believe I can manage at least one more. Yeah, go ahead and leave us a one-star review. I'll listen to your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> In the neck. Yeah. I'm going to end this getting real bitter about things. Eat a whole bowl of genitals yeah. that you don't like, motherfucker. I will have intercourse with your mother. Well, I'm yeah, of an age yeah. where I may have. <laughs> yeah. I probably won't. I, actually, I definitely won't. <laughs> but you can still give us stars regardless of my sexual contact with your parental beings. Indeed. Uh, uh, either of them. I think we should call it. I think we really should, too. We've, I've gotten Good night. Uh, really off the rails here. I'm sorry, everybody. I Good apologize. Night. I'm trying to find the stop button. You fucking relax. No. James? Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>